Section 45 of Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. Edited by William Patton. Section 45. Ivanhoe, Part 2. It being now the duty of the prince to name the knight who had done best, he determined, although contrary to the advice of those about him, that the honor of the day remained with the black knight. To the surprise of all present, however, the knight thus preferred was nowhere to be found. He had left the lists immediately when the conflict ceased, and had been observed by some spectators to move slowly down one of the forest glades. After he had been summoned twice by sound of trumpet, it became necessary to name another, and the disinherited knight was for the second time named champion of the day. As the victor was led towards the throne of the Lady Rowena, it was observed that he tottered. Rowena was about to place the chaplet, which she held in her hand, upon the helmet of the champion who kneeled before her, when the marshals exclaimed, "'It must not be thus. His head must be bare,' and at once removed his helmet. The features which were exposed were those of a young man of twenty-five, but his countenance was as pale as death, and marked in one or two places with streaks of blood. Rowena had no sooner beheld him than she uttered a faint shriek, but at once, summoning up all her energies, she placed upon the drooping head of the victor the splendid chaplet, which was the designated reward of the day. The knight bent low and kissed the hand of the lovely sovereign by whom his valor had been rewarded, and then, sinking yet farther forward, lay prostrate at her feet. There was a general consternation. Cedric, who had been struck mute by the sudden appearance of his banished son, now rushed forward as if to separate him from Rowena. But this had been already accomplished by the marshals of the field, who, guessing the cause of Ivanhoe's swoon, had hastened to undo his armor, and found that the head of a lance had penetrated his breastplate and inflicted a wound in his side. The name of Ivanhoe was no sooner pronounced than it flew from mouth to mouth throughout the vast assembly it was not long ere it reached the circle of the prince whose brow darkened as he heard the news he knew that ivanhoe had been a close attendant on his brother king richard in the holy land and as such he looked upon him as his own enemy he was about to give the signal for retiring from the lists when a small billet was put into his hand he broke the seal with apparent agitation and read the words take heed to yourself for the devil is unchained he turned as pale as death and taking two of his courtiers aside he put the billet into their hands it means he said in a faltering voice that my brother richard has obtained his freedom it is time then said fitzurse his confidential attendant to draw our party to a head and prepare our forces to meet him in sullen ill-humour the prince left the place of tournament to hold high festival at the castle of ashby but it was more than his courtiers could do to rouse him from the overpowering gloom which seemed to agitate his mind throughout the evening on the next day it was settled that the prince and all those who were ready to support him should attend a meeting at york for the purpose of making general arrangements for placing the crown upon the head of the usurper and ousting king richard from his sovereign rights meanwhile cedric the saxon when he saw his son drop down senseless in the lists at ashby had given orders half in pity half in anger to his attendants to convey ivanhoe to a place where his wound might be dressed as soon as the crowd had dispersed the attendants were however anticipated in this good office the crowd dispersed indeed but the knight was nowhere to be seen the only information which could be collected from the bystanders was that he had been raised with care by certain well-attired grooms and placed in a litter belonging to a lady among the spectators in which he had immediately been transported out of the press 
cedric and his friends having seen the last of the tournament and the festivities which followed it now set out on their return to rotherwood their way lay through a thickly wooded country which was at the time held to be dangerous to travellers from the number of outlaws whom oppression and poverty had driven to despair and who occupied the forests in large bands from these rovers however cedric and althusane accounted themselves secure as they had in attendance ten servants they knew besides that the outlaws were chiefly peasants and yeomen of saxon descent and were generally supposed to respect the persons and property of their countrymen as the travellers journeyed on their way they were alarmed by repeated cries for assistance and when they rode up to the place from whence they came they were surprised to find a horse-litter placed upon the ground beside which sat a young woman richly dressed in the jewish fashion while an old man whose yellow cap proclaimed him to belong to the same nation walked up and down wringing his hands as if affected by some strange disaster it was some time before isaac of york for it was he could explain the nature of his trouble when at length he began to come to himself out of his agony of terror he said that he had hired a bodyguard of six men at ashby together with mules for carrying the litter of a sick friend but that they all had fled away from him having heard that there was a strong band of outlaws lying in wait in the woods before them when he implored permission to continue his journey under the protection of cedric and his party Alphastane was strongly opposed to allowing the dog of a jew as he called him to travel in their company the lady rowena however had at the same time been approached by the old man's daughter who kissing the hem of her garment implored her to have compassion on them it is not for myself that i pray this favour said rebecca nor is it even for that poor old man but it is in the name of one dear to many and dear even to you that i beseech you to let this sick person be transported with care and tenderness under your protection so noble and solemn was the air with which rebecca made this appeal that on the intercession of rowena cedric readily consented to allow the jew and his daughter together with their sick friend to attach themselves to his party twilight was already coming on as the company proceeded on their journey the path upon which the party travelled was now so narrow as not to admit above two riders abreast they accordingly quickened their pace in order to get as rapidly as possible out of the dangerous neighbourhood which they were traversing they had just crossed a brook whose banks were broken swampy and overgrown with dwarf willows when they were assailed in front flank and rear by a large body of men in the dress of outlaws with an impetuosity to which in their confused and ill-prepared condition it was impossible to offer effectual resistance both the saxon chiefs were made prisoners at the same moment while the attendants embarrassed with baggage surprised and terrified at the fate of their masters fell an easy prey to the assailants and the lady rowena the jew and his daughter experienced the same misfortune wamba the jester alone escaped showing upon the occasion much more courage than those who pretended to greater sense as he wandered through the forest a dog which he recognized jumped up and fawned upon him and girth the swineherd shortly after made his appearance he was horrified to hear from his fellow-servant of the misfortune which had befallen their master and his party and the two were about to hasten away for the purpose of procuring aid when a third person suddenly appeared and commanded them both to halt notwithstanding the twilight and although his dress and arms showed him to be an outlaw wamba recognized him to be locksley the yeoman a man who had carried off the prize for archery at the tournament a day or two before what is the meaning of all this he said and who is it that rifle and ransom make prisoners in these forests the yeoman then left bidding girth and wamba on the peril of their lives not to stir until he returned he was not long away and on returning said that he had found out who the attacking party were and whither they were bound cedric the saxon he said the friend of the rights of englishmen shall not want english hands to help him in this extremity 
come then with me until i gather more aid so saying he walked through the wood at a great pace followed by the jester and the swineherd it was after three hours good walking that the servants of cedric with their mysterious guide arrived at a small opening in the forest beneath an enormous oak tree several yeomen lay stretched on the ground while another as sentinel walked to and fro in the moonlight shade locksley on being recognized was welcomed with every token of respect and attachment and he at once gave orders to collect what force they could a set of gallants he said who have been masquerading in such guise as our own are carrying a band of prisoners to torquilstone the castle of front de boeuf our honour is concerned to punish them and we will find means to do so in the meantime cedric and the other prisoners had been hurried along by bois gilbert and de bracy and safely lodged in the strong and ancient castle of reginald front de boeuf once within the castle the prisoners were separated cedric and althusane were confined in one apartment the lady rowena and another while the poor jew was hastily thrust into a dungeon vault the floor of which was deep beneath the level of the ground and his daughter rebecca was locked into a cell in a distant and sequestered turret the dungeon occupied by isaac of york was dark and damp chains and shackles which had been the portion of former captives hung rusted on the gloomy wall and in the rings of one of those sets of fetters there remained the mouldering bones of some unhappy prisoner who had been left to perish there in other days at one end of this ghastly apartment was a large fire-grate over the top of which were stretched some transverse bars of iron half devoured with rust for nearly three hours the wretched jew remained sitting in a corner of his dungeon when steps were heard on the stair by which it was approached the bolts were withdrawn the hinges creaked as the wicket opened and reginald front de boeuf followed by two saracen slaves of the templar entered the prison most cursed dog of an accursed race he said to isaac seest thou these scales in these thou shalt weigh me out a thousand silver pounds holy abraham returned the jew heard man ever such a demand not within the walls of york ransack my house and that of all my tribe will thou find the tithe of that huge sum of silver prepare then said the norman for a long and lingering death and he ordered the slave to make ready the fire seest thou isaac he said the range of bars above that glowing charcoal on that warm couch shalt thou lie stripped of thy clothes one of these slaves shall maintain the fire beneath thee while another shall anoint thy wretched limbs with oil lest the roast should burn now choose between such a scorching bed and the payment of a thousand pounds of silver for by the head of my father thou hast no other option so may abraham jacob and all the fathers of our people assist me said isaac i cannot make the choice because i have not the means of satisfying your exorbitant demand seize him and strip him slaves said the knight and let the fathers of his race assist him if they can the assistant stepped forward and laying hands on the unfortunate man waited the hard-hearted baron's further signal the unhappy jew eyed their savage countenances and that affront de boeuf in hope of discovering some symptoms of relenting and as he looked again at the glowing furnace his resolution at length gave way i will pay he said that is he added after a moment's pause i will pay it with the help of my brethren let my daughter rebecca go forth to york and she will bring the treasure here thy daughter said front de boeuf as if surprised by heavens isaac i would i had known of this i gave the black-browed girl to be a handmaiden to sir brian de bois gilbert to do as it might please him with her my word is passed to my comrade-in-arms nor would i break it for ten jews and jewesses to boot the yell which isaac raised at this unfeeling communication made the vault ring robber and villain he exclaimed i will pay thee nothing not one silver penny will i pay thee unless my daughter is delivered to me in safety and honour do thy worst take my life if thou wilt and say the jew amidst his tortures knew how to disappoint the christian strip him slaves and chain him down upon the bars said front de boeuf 
the saracens in obedience to this savage order had already torn from the feeble and struggling old man his upper garment and were proceeding totally to disrobe him when the sound of a bugle twice winded without the castle penetrated even to the recesses of the dungeon and immediately after loud voices were heard calling for sir reginald franc de boeuf unwilling to be found engaged in his hellish occupation the savage baron gave the slaves a signal to restore isaac's garment and hastily quitted the dungeon with his attendants during the time the unhappy jew was undergoing his terrible ordeal in the gloomy dungeon his daughter rebecca in her lonely turret had been exposed to attentions no less unpleasant on being left in the secluded cell she found herself in the presence of an old hag who kept murmuring to herself a saxon rhyme as if to beat time to the spindle at which she was engaged as soon as they were alone the old woman addressed the jewess telling her that she was once as young and fair as herself when front de boeuf the father of the man who now lorded it in the castle attacked the place and slew her father and his seven sons and she became the prey and scorn of the conqueror is there no help are there no means of escape said rebecca richly richly would i requite thine aid think not of it said the hag from hence there is no escape but through the gates of death and it is late late she added shaking her grey head ere these open to us fare thee well jewess thou hast to do with them that have neither scruple nor pity and so saying she left the room locking the door behind her before long a step was heard on the stair and the door of the turret chamber slowly opened and brian de bois gilbert entered the room he commenced to address the jewess with flattering speeches saying that he loved her and that she must now be his but rebecca rejected his proffered love with scorn protesting that she would proclaim his villainy from one end of europe to the other at least she said those who tremble not at thy crime will hold thee accursed for having so far dishonoured the cross thou wearest as to follow a daughter of my people thou art keen-witted jewess replied the templar well aware of the truth of what she spoke but loud must be thy voice of complaint if it is heard beyond the iron walls of this castle one thing only can save thee rebecca submit to thy fate embrace our religion and thou shalt go forth in such state that many a norman lady shall envy thee thy lot submit to my fate said rebecca and sacred heaven to what fate embrace thy religion and what religion can it be that harbours such a villain craven knight forsworn priest i spit at thee and defy thee the god of abraham's promise hath opened an escape to his daughter even from this abyss of infamy as she spoke she threw open the latticed window and at an instant after stood on the very verge of the parapet outside with not the slightest screen between her and the tremendous depth below unprepared for such a desperate effort bois gilbert had time neither to intercept nor to stop her as he offered to advance she exclaimed remain where thou art proud templar or at thy choice advance one foot nearer and i plunge myself from the precipice my body shall be crushed out of the very form of humanity upon the stones below ere it become the victim of thy brutality the templar hesitated and a resolution which would have never yielded to pity or distress gave way to his admiration for her fortitude come down he said rash girl i swear by earth and sea and sky i will offer thee no offence many a law many a commandment have i broken but my word never thus far said rebecca i will trust thee and she descended from the verge of the battlement but remained standing close by one of the embrasures here she said i take my stand if thou shalt attempt to diminish by one step the distance now between us thou shalt see that the jewish maiden will rather trust her soul with god than her honour to the templar as she spoke the bugle was heard to sound announcing that the presence of the knight was required in another part of the castle and as he instantly obeyed the summons rebecca found herself once more alone when the templar reached the hall of the castle he found de bracy there already they were soon after joined by front de boeuf let us see the cause of this cursed clamour said front de boeuf here is a letter 
and if i mistake not it is in saxon the templar took the paper from his hand and read it it was a demand to surrender the prisoners within one hour failing which the castle would be instantly besieged and it was signed at the end by wamba and girth by the black knight and locksley the answer which was returned from the castle to this missive announced that the prisoners would not be given up but that permission would be given to a man of religion to come to receive their dying confession as it had been determined to execute them before noon when this reply was brought back to the party of the black knight a hurried consultation was held as to what they should do there being no churchman amongst them and as no one else seemed willing to undertake the risk of trusting himself within the castle wamba the jester was selected for the office he was soon muffled in his religious disguise and imitating the solemn and stately deportment of a friar he departed to execute his mission as he approached the castle gate he was at once admitted and shortly after was ushered into the apartment where cedric and althusane were confined and the three were left alone it was not long before cedric recognized the voice of his jester the faithful servant at once suggested that his master should change garments with him and so make his escape but it required the strong pressure of both wamba and althusane before cedric would consent at length he yielded and the exchange of dress was accomplished he left the apartment saying that he would rescue his friends or return and die along with them in a low-arched and dusky passage by which cedric endeavoured to work his way to the hall he was met by ulfred the old crone of the tower come this way father she said to him thou art a stranger and canst not leave the castle without a guide come hither for i would speak with thee so saying she proceeded to conduct the unwilling cedric into a small apartment the door of which she heedfully secured thou art a saxon father she said to him the sounds of my native language are sweet to mine ears though seldom heard for many years she then told him the story of her unhappy and degraded life and how she was once the daughter of the noble thane of torquilstone thou the daughter of torquil wolfganger said cedric thou thou the daughter of my father's friend and companion in arms thy father's friend echoed ulfred then cedric called the saxon stands before me but why this religious dress it matters not who i am said cedric proceed unhappy woman unhappy ulrica i should say for thou canst be none other with thy tale of horror and guilt wretched woman he exclaimed as she concluded her miserable history so thou hast lived when all believed thee murdered hast lived to merit our hate and execration lived to unite thyself with the vile tyrant who slew thy nearest and dearest i hated him with all my soul replied ulrica i also have had my hours of vengeance i have fomented the quarrels of our foes i have seen their blood flow and heard their dying groans i have seen my oppressor fall at his own board by the hand of his own son yet here i dwelt till age premature age has stamped its ghastly features on my countenance scorned and insulted where i was once obeyed thou art the first i have seen for twenty years by whom god feared or man regarded and dost thou bid me despair i bid thee repent said cedric but i cannot i will not longer abide with thee stay yet a moment said ulrica revenge henceforth shall possess me wholly and thou thyself shalt say that whatever was the life of ulrica her death well became the daughter of the noble torquil hasten to lead your forces to the attack and when thou shalt see a red flag wave from the eastern turret press the normans hard they will have enough to do within begone i pray thee follow thine own fate and leave me to mine as she spoke she vanished through a private door and front de boeuf entered the apartment thy penitence father he said have made a long shrift but come follow me through this passage that i may dismiss thee by the postern as cedric was leaving the castle the norman gave him a note to carry to philip de malvasan begging him to send assistance with all the speed he could 
he promised the friar a large reward for doing the errand and as they parted at the postern door he thrust into cedric's reluctant hand a piece of gold adding remember i will flay off thy cowl and skin if thou failest in thy purpose when front de boeuf rejoined his friends and found out the trick which had been played upon him and that cedric had escaped his rage was unbounded and it was only on de bracy interceding for him that he consented to spare the life of the poor jester before long the inmates of the castle had other things to occupy them the enemy was announced to be under their very walls and each knight repaired hastily to his post and at the head of the few followers whom they were able to muster they awaited with calm determination the threatened assault End of section 45. Recording by Denise Nordell of Modesto, California.